holidays, and welcome to The Modern Extractor. This podcast focuses on the processes, equipment, and science found inside a cannabis extraction laboratory. I'm your host, Jason Showard, and I work professionally in the cannabis extraction field. On the last episode of the show, we talked to Kyle Detweiler, CEO of Clever Leaves, about his approach to running an international cannabis business. We discussed the mountains of red tape that need cutting in order to import DEA-scheduled cannabinoids into the U.S. and other major markets, as well as the implications those imports may have for the existing markets and supply chains they're disrupting. On today's bonus episode, we've got more interviews from the floor of MJ BizCon in Las Vegas. We'll talk to Hayden Tucker, CEO of True Steel, David Zell, System Design Specialist of Bogart, Dean Siegel, VP of Sales and Marketing at Pope, and Dirty Harry, an OG in the extraction game. MJ BizCon was my favorite event I attended this year. It never disappoints, and even though 2021 made for a strange year to gather, the MJ BizCon team pulled it off. A big thanks to Tess Woods for the hospitality over there as well. This wraps up my BizCon 2021 content. I'll see you there in 2022. That said, let's get into it. Hey, this is Jason Shower with the Modern Extractor Podcast. I'm here with Hayden Tucker of True Seal sitting here at the booth. You got some beautiful stainless steel sitting around here. Tell, tell me a little bit about what you got going on. Thanks, Jason. No problem. Thanks for coming by. We're really here showcasing all the uh, developments we've had in the last two years. Uh, we weren't able to come to MJ BizCon uh, with COVID last year. So there's been a ton of developments on our team and it's mainly engineering developments. Okay. So you may have seen us at the show in 2019 with a lot of shiny equipment, really cool new stuff. And two years later, we've now got all that into a, a solid works and completely um, in-house engineering so that we can provide like real documentation uh, for our clients. So that's, I'm really proud to have the, the engineering capability we have, you know, like these SolidWorks drawings and to be able to provide everything at a, a higher level than everybody else. Yeah, I've always been incredibly impressed with your equipment. It was the, the first, uh, first falling film system I ever owned. And uh, fantastic DR10 decarb reactor, big fan of that as well. So yeah, I, I, I love True Steel. When, uh, when Ray was on the show for a full length episode, he was telling me about all the cool stuff you guys were working on with automation yeah. and with some of this engineering that you're doing. Tell me a little bit about, uh, about all that. Absolutely. So um, one thing that has happened over the last year is we've finally seen those really large industrial CBD processors pull the trigger. So we're building some of the biggest labs we've ever built before having to tie in several centrifuges to large distillation systems all the way down to crystallization systems at this point. Um, so we've been working on some really cool integration of other components, our own components, so that you can have a fully CGMP facility. It can really integrate everything together so it's safe and automated. That's gonna be coming online next year. So that's what we've been working on all year along with um, getting our equipment up to par for pharmaceutical. So we, we were pulled into Operation Warp Speed um, in the United States, and we've been providing equipment for the production of COVID-19 vaccine. I've heard about that. Yeah, I've actually seen, <clears throat> excuse me, I've actually seen a couple of posts on Instagram 
or maybe LinkedIn, uh, regarding your specialized evaporation equipment for the pharma industry. Yes. How's, how's that going? That's got to be a hard thing to get into. You know, um, it, w it is extremely hard to get into uh, because we have Ray and uh, Aqua Sierra and our whole team. I think that's the only reason we we're able to do it, right? Uh, but um, we're competent and confident at this point that we can serve the pharmaceutical industry as we're doing now. So we can take that and actually help the cannabis industry be ready, right? For FDA um, compliance, as well as different pharmaceutical standards, right? Well, that's fantastic. So that's what we're excited to share with everybody else. Right on. It's uh, yet again, I, I mentioned when Ray was on the show that uh, I walked into the show in 2019 and just saw this giant true steel booth yeah. flexing right by the entrance. Seems like everybody's pared down a little bit, but is more high tech, uh, pretty much across the whole show. But here you are again, the very first booth, as soon as you walk in the gate, get your badge checked, and there's True Steel, right where I like to see you. Well, we wanna to continue to be the knowledge provider and solution provider for the industry. We're constantly trying to stay ahead of the curve. And if you've got questions, or you're trying to be prepared for uh, the future, whether that's acquisition or pharmaceutical partnership, we're the, we're the partner to work with because we've already done it. Yeah, I would agree with you there. So let's say somebody wants to, to jump on board and talk to you guys about what you can provide for them. What's the best way to reach out to you? Best way to reach out, um, you can call me directly. You know, I love speaking with clients about their projects. I'm the CEO and sales director. Uh, my phone number is 530-813-0079. And my email's Hayden, H-A-Y-D-E-N, at truesteel.com. Um, I can connect you with anyone here in the company from our engineers to our, our chemistry side to our installation techs. Whatever questions you have, I'm here to help. Fantastic. Well, uh, you heard it from me first. You guys should definitely reach out. These guys are a class act. Uh, Hayden Tucker, thanks for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, Jason. Hey, this is Jason with The Modern Extractor. I'm here at the Bogart booth at MJ BizCon. I'm standing here with David Zell, the system design specialist. David, welcome to the show. Hey, it's uh, good to be on the show. You know, I hardly ever do podcasts very much, or ever, really, so uh, this is a new experience for me here, but uh, this should be fun. Well, you checked the box now. You're, you're, now you're a, a podcast star. I guess so. <laughs> uh, tell me about what, what I'm looking at here at your Bogart booth. Right, so yeah, we have uh, butane extraction equipment in, uh, you know, for both small and large scale sizes. And we also have the chillers that go along with that extraction equipment as well. Uh, we also have you know, vapor pumps and liquid pumps uh, that can be used with uh, butane and propane as well uh, to uh, work within the system in order to move solvent around and keep things cold. Um, plus, we also have some additional uh, accessories and bells and whistles that can make the process run faster or just make the process easier for the operators as well. All right, so uh, you have a very unique booth here at the show. It's the only one where I've seen some uh, nice frosty hoses. It makes me feel very much at home. Definitely, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we like to put our money where our mouth is on our products, and, uh, you know, we are maintaining that uh, 
30-gallon tank there right around negative 60 degrees right here on the showroom floor just so people can see that it really works like we say it does. So what kind of volume, what is this chiller that I'm looking at here? So this is our T60 chiller. This is actually a cascading uh, refrigeration system. So basically it's a chiller that chills your chiller, that chills your process. Um, so yeah, literally uh, there is a 404A refrigerant in the second stage, which chills, uh, you know, or pre-cools, or I'm sorry, subcools is the term, uh, the, uh, R410, I believe it is, uh, in the first stage. And then that is piped to the heat exchanger, which is on the extractor itself. So looking at that heat exchanger, it looks like a plate heat exchanger there, yeah? Yeah, you, uh, you are correct. That is a plate heat exchanger. And uh, the reason why we are actually recirculating the solvent in the tank through that plate heat exchanger, rather than using you know, a jacket around the tank or an immersion coil in the tank is because that actually provides you with a lot more surface area. So it's actually more efficient to do it that way. Plus the uh, you know, refrigerant lines need to be hard piped and so it's harder to actually put them right on the tank so you can actually, you know, you need to be able to move the tank and access it and clean it and stuff, so. Absolutely, so what, what is on the other side of the plate from your ethanol right now? Uh, you mean in that orange jacket there? No, no, no. Is that refrigerant that's being pumped through the plate? Or what is the Correct. substance? Okay. Yeah, the refrigerant, um, you know, goes through one side of the heat exchanger, and then the process solvent, you know, the actual butane or propane, goes through the uh, other side of the plate exchanger. And so, you know, injecting the refrigerant directly into the plate exchanger like that uh, eliminates any thermal transfer fluids that are going between the uh, between the chiller and the application. So, you know, since you're not juggling that thermal transfer through another medium, then you actually gain a lot of efficiency that way. Absolutely. So then, uh, well, well, tell me about the rest of the machine. What's the what's the part with the orange jacket I'm looking at? Right. So that orange jacket is wrapped around a uh, large tube and shell type heat exchanger. You know, that is more for uh, condensing vapor down into liquid rather than chilling liquid into colder liquid. Um, and that jacket around it is called Spacewalker. Um, so that's another uh, product that we're going to uh, be selling soon uh, to go with our products, which is actually an aerogel-based uh, installation. So it's extremely efficient and lightweight as well. Interesting. Okay, so you've got this. You're going to chill. This is typically you guys are BHO for the most part, right? Yeah, uh, butane, propane, uh, isobutane. You, you could theoretically use, you know, pentane or hexane or heptane in it as well. Okay, so this theoretically would be used, while well, it's chilling ethanol now, would be used to chill your hydrocarbon gases. Correct, uh, yes. Or liquids. Uh, and then it would pump out of this into your the rest of your system. Is that what I'm looking at over here? Right, yeah. So the, the way that this would work in the field is you would circulate the tank until it gets to the desired temperature that you want to use for the process. And then you would just close one valve and open another valve, and then it would pump straight to your process. So in this case, that would probably be your material tubes. You can either fill them up until full or just pump straight through into the evaporator, you know, whichever your preferred style of operation is for what you're making. Gotcha. So I'm seeing this uh, this manifolded uh, uh, pipe coming off of the... Oh, that evaporation chamber over there, yes. Gotcha. Okay, that's a, it's a unique design that I haven't seen a lot of in the field. Yeah, so that's, that's our manifold and uh, desiccant tube assembly. So the top half of that, that's your molecular sieve, which most extractors would have to uh, clear out the water from the gas on the way back to the recovery tank. Um, the manifold 
below that basically allows you to isolate and recover from different portions of your system individually, which really just gives you a lot more control over how the system operates and what's going on in different sectors of the unit at any one time. It allows you also to facilitate transfer between different parts of the unit um, as well. Uh, so like when you're transferring from your evaporator to your honeypot, you would uh, facilitate that using the manifold controls there. And uh, it's worth mentioning too that you know that chiller, if it's maintaining that uh, tank at minus 60 degrees, you can easily passively recover pure propane with that. Okay. With yeah. no dry ice, ever. Definitely worth mentioning. And if we have a little more time, there's actually one more thing uh, that we're unveiling at the show here that I'd like to go into Let's if we have it. just Let's a couple more minutes. So we have some other fun toys, like um, we have some special diamond miners that we built that are designed to easily be flipped over to strain out your diamonds, right, when you're done. And, you know, I got this idea when I went on to a consultation. The guy had two glass jars with a kitchen strainer duct taped together, and it was leaking. And I thought to myself, you know, there has to be a better way to do this. And so, you know, I went in the back and I grabbed some extractor parts and I kind of threw them together into that. And, and, yeah, basically, as you can see, it's easy to flip over and attach to another one just like it. And it looks sort of like an hourglass. Then your terps would strain to the bottom and your crystals would stay right there. Um, we even had the welder tack a little circle in the bottom so it even has a built-in nucleation site. And of course, welds are sanitary, so it's still sanitary. There you go, right on, that's yeah. great. I love it. And then, it. Uh, also, a lot of people are using CRC media, too. So we have uh, what's called the Stinger here. It's actually a, uh, a CRC media containment insert. So this would, like, replace your um, center disc that would normally be used in a CRC column. And it basically just makes it easy to slip the media bed in and out of the CRC column without making a mess and uh, without taking as much time. That is pretty slick. Now, the most important thing I want to talk about is the device that you've got sitting next to these. Well, well what do you got going on here? Oh, this little toy? Well, you know, this, this kind of here is a little game we have for the showroom. We basically made a model of a of one of our you know, evaporation chambers and just kind of turned it into a little pipe. I, I jokingly call it the bong, the B-H-O-N-G. Uh -huh, so uh -huh. that's, that's, that's my little see what you did funny there. name for it. I know, right? <laughs> it's terrible. It makes you want to slap yourself. But this, this is the real star of the show here, and I've actually been saving the best for last here. Okay. So this is uh, something we're unveiling right now called the Column Coil Chiller. Now basically, what we did is we took an extraction column and wrapped a refrigerant coil around the column. And then we encased that within a jacket that is filled with thermal transfer fluid and injected the refrigerant directly into the coil wrapped around the column. So using those refrigerant compressors, that allows you to just flash freeze the column in place right on the unit. So we were actually to, uh, able to drop a six by 48 extraction column from room temperature down to minus 40 degrees Celsius in about 10 minutes flat. Now this is the interior of the column or the jacket of the column itself? Um, yeah, our temperature probe was on the interior of the column. Wow, that's impressive. Yep, and so uh, once we did that, uh, it also just kept on dropping down to about minus 72 Celsius because the chiller had 508B refrigerant in it. So that officially makes us a fairly viable replacement for dry ice at that point. We're getting to the same temperatures, and it's only really a 10 horsepower unit, so the power consumption is not that outrageous. And you know, it follows the same kind of philosophy as the other ice tech design. You have the refrigerant piped directly to the application, so it's much more efficient and you don't have to have thermal transfer fluids going back and forth. 
All right, that's yep. some interesting stuff. Yeah, I mean, as soon as you tell people you can get from room temperature to minus 40 on an extraction column in 10 minutes, they, you generally have their attention pretty quickly. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Well, David Zell, System Design Specialist <laughs> for Bogart. Thank you for coming on The Modern Extractor. Thank you, yeah, this has been really fun. Hey, this is Jason Showered coming at you live from MJ BizCon in Las Vegas. I'm here at the Pope booth with Dean Siegel, VP of Sales and Marketing. Dean, welcome to the Modern Extractor. Well, it's good to talk to you. Hello, Jason. Yeah, hello. I'm looking at your booth here. You got all kinds of cool stuff set up. You guys are primarily a distillation company originally, right? Distillation and reaction and general uh, chemical processing equipment. Uh, distillation's been a main uh, focus for uh, several decades. All right, so I know Pope from, uh, from your distillation machines for sure. Um, it is a very iconic name in the industry. I'm looking here at a lot of sexy stainless steel you got going on in your booth. Everything from a uh, giant, what is that, 15, 16 foot tall machine over there? Uh, yeah, about. It is a uh, one square meter uh, life film uh, short path still, uh, capable of processing about 60 kilograms of extract uh, and distilling it into good product uh, per hour. So, and it's a good uh, uh, continuous running machine. It can go 24 seven. It's the same principle as our other stills uh, all the way down to our little two inch still for up to maybe about a half a liter per hour. Yeah, I was gonna say everything from this giant machine over here to this small two inch glass machine. It's, uh, I always thought it was really nice uh, when you're learning distillation to be able to look inside of what's going on on the glass machines before you move up to the big stainless machines where it's a lot more theoretical what's going on in there. Well, it's interesting you, you mentioned that. Uh, we always uh, do advise uh, potential customers that have not had experience uh, running with glass to not start with stainless steel. Uh, after you've uh, used glass, uh, you have a pretty good idea of what's happening. There can be some unusual uh, things that you have to be on the lookout for. If it's all stainless, you won't see it uh, in enough time to deal with it, so. Yeah, my first machine was stainless, and I sat there on a chair with my hand on my chin, staring at that thing, thinking about what was going on inside of it for so many hours. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, when we finally got our hands on a glass machine, I got to sit there and look at it and be like, okay, I knew it. So or, oh. Yeah, yeah, you did it backwards, yeah. So with the stainless steel, of course, you get the uh, sight glass. You can see the material going in, and you can see it uh, coming out uh, on the way to the uh, discharge pumps. But, yeah, you want to be able to get a better study of it with glass first. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about this other stuff that you got going on. I'm seeing three stills. Uh, now I'm looking at some reactor vessels that you got going on, some agitated reactors, it looks like. Right, and, and by the way, the middle still is our, our featured product. That is a sort of a workhorse still. It doesn't have a lot of bells and whistles. It's for people that want to uh, have a lot of serious throughput uh, without a, a large capital expenditure. And okay. uh, that's been uh, very well received. That's 10 kilograms per hour. Uh, the other uh, items that we're uh, showing here uh, are part of our vessels and vessel systems line. And one important uh, branch of that are the Nooch filter dryers. 
Uh, these are used a lot in pharmaceuticals, fine chemicals, electronic chemicals, all, all kinds of applications where the crystals uh, at the end of a process uh, are made to be very pure. Uh, they precipitate out, form very nice crystals, and then the filter is used to uh, push out the liquid. Uh, then you wash the crystals uh, several times. Uh, once they're uh, cleaned, uh, you can then apply heat and dry them in the same vessel under uh, vacuum and heat. So this is a, uh, the next step up from uh, laboratory Buchner funnels, uh, which almost every chemist is familiar with. Uh, where you have the squirt bottle and a... Unfortunately so. Yeah. <laughs> so, but this keeps it all contained as well. In fact, here's one here with a side discharge where it keeps the material uh, all the way to the dry material being harvested, isolated from air and, uh, and uh, contamination. So would you put inert gas in there or pull vacuum yes. over it or what would be your process? Yeah, what you would uh, typically do there is uh, you'd be under vacuum while you're drying it. And when you uh, finally release the vacuum, you bring nitrogen air, uh, nitrogen in instead of uh, air and uh, keeps it oxygen free. And then you can take it to the next uh, operation that you're going to do, whether it's packaging or, or whatever. Uh, in addition, we have combinations of our isolation uh, systems, which feature a, a reactor, a dedicated reactor for crystallizing uh, under controlled conditions. Uh, when that is um, fully completed, you have a lot of crystals in a slurry, which is transferred over to the Nooch filter and then that begins the process we just described with uh, washing and drying. Uh, mean, meantime, the reactor can be reloaded and start again, so we can have them both going at the same time. Ah, efficiency. So talk to me a little bit about what's going on inside of the new filter dryers. This podcast gets real technical. We get into times, temperatures, pressures, SOPs. It's really for folks that work in labs that'll understand this, so you don't need to pull any punches. What is happening inside that new filter dryer while you're using it? Okay, so let's start with uh, a Buchner funnel uh, as, as a reference point. With a uh, Buchner funnel, uh, you've already uh, poured your uh, slurry, your crystals are in on your filter paper. You're pulling vacuum and you're squirting with your squirt bottle and um, washing your crystals and then you'll pull them off and put them somewhere else like a dryer. So. Inside, at the bottom of the uh, stainless steel uh, cylinder, and by the way, these are ASME pressurizable, so they are safe. Uh, they're ASME stamped for pressure and full vacuum. There's a, typically a stainless steel filter of a designated uh, micron size. In this application, often it's like uh, uh, 10, 20 micron is sufficient and you uh, pour a slurry in uh, from your reactor where you've crystallized. Uh, that goes into the uh, nooch. And what's different here is you can pressurize rather than just pull by vacuum. So for example, uh, vacuum, the strongest vacuum is a differential pressure of about 14.7 PSI. Here you can pressurize 
instead, because it's a pressurizable vessel, you can pressurize the liquid out at about 50 PSI or even more. So that gives you about three times the driving power. So you're gonna have a much more efficient uh, uh, driving out of the liquid. So it's much faster. After that, uh, we're gonna be squirting in um, or pouring in some wash solution uh, a couple of times to wash the filter. And then it's time to uh, dry. So it's typical to uh, heat the jacket up to let's say about 50 uh, degrees C, you can go uh, warmer. Let me interrupt you for a quick second. Yeah. There's something that I think that's worth mentioning that I'm looking at that I don't know if you mentioned is that there is a motor on top to drive uh, a propeller to stir what's going on inside of this reactor oh, yep. while you're doing your wash. Yep. Big, yep. big part of that as yeah. far as washing those Very good, yeah. yeah, and I was gonna get to that. Oh, so, sorry. So what we have on our uh, Nooch filters uh, in addition to the sealed chamber, uh, at the top we have sight glasses. You can see what's going on and uh, pressure gauges, uh, other uh, safety devices, valves. In the center, there's an agitator. Uh, it's a special agitator which has a blade about the same diameter as the vessel. This can go up and down. And so while you are drying your filter, which forms a filter cake, uh, that filter cake uh, can develop cracks like mud cracks and so on, and it's not going to give you efficient drying. So what uh, you do is you come down into the nooch uh, with your blade rotating, and you cut down into the cake. You cut up, you churn the cake, and it grinds down the, the big lumps makes it even, you raise your blade again, come back down and then make it uh, even. And this can continue on through the whole drying process so you're always exposing more surface to be uh, uh, seen by the vacuum and uh, temperature. So, so you were saying earlier efficient. 50C was uh, what you typically run the jacket at? 50C uh, is possible, you can go warmer. There's another, um, method that's sometimes used, which is to slowly admit nitrogen through, which helps the drying, especially if you heat the nitrogen on the way into the nooch. So that'll transmit even more heat and get the job done uh, faster. So after you have uh, dryness, uh, you can open and harvest your, um, your material. Uh, if you've dried it sufficiently, you won't need to put it into a drying oven. Uh, some people still will do that, a drying vacuum oven, but this is a self-contained unit. It's meant to be uh, performing all of that for you. Okay, great. What would you say that your biggest selling piece of equipment is as Pope? It's an interesting question. Our uh, stills are, uh, the white film stills are traditionally our uh, most important line, uh, which by the way, we also sell uh, into uh, global markets. We've been selling worldwide for, for years, since the 70s. Um, so that's an important, um, important product line. In addition, we have fractional column stills 
which are your more traditional uh, solvent uh, purity uh, purification stills. Uh, we also do chemical stills where different products can be separated. Things like omega-3 uh, fish oil esters. So, but the Nooch filters we were just talking about as well have been uh, extremely important to us in the last several years. As a matter of fact, uh, during the, the, the worst year or worst decline, the recent uh, COVID uh, uh, business crisis, um, the Nooch's had their best year ever and uh, we continue to sell not just in cannabis, but a lot of pharmaceutical, uh, biotechnology, electronics materials, uh, and other, other fields. And uh, it's a very, very important product. And that again is sold worldwide. That's great. Yeah, having somebody that's been in the game for a long time doing these, building these types of machines for multiple industries, and then transferring into cannabis because it made sense really is where you're going to get a company that's got all of that infrastructure already set up, all the supply chain already set up, and all the things that, that a new company springing up just to cater to cannabis isn't going to be able to set up quickly. So tried and true. Yeah, so our customers uh, realize that pretty quickly. Uh, we have a lot of technical support behind us. Uh, we have three chemical engineers, uh, including myself. I have also a degree in uh, biochemistry. We have chemists, mechanical engineers, electrical engineers. Uh, and a big part of what we do also is toll processing on our white film stills. So we uh, take uh, anything from drums to truckloads of our clients' materials that outsource to us for the distillation part. And that is constantly running. We're very busy. We have uh, all kinds of materials being run, we're GMP, and now we can also run um, CBD, hemp materials. And uh, so that, that kind of uh, support really helps uh, our customers all the way around. So we're not just an equipment company, we're a technical support company. And our byline is solution driven, and, and that's what we do. People have some questions, they have some problems, and we enjoy uh, helping them so solve that, not just with the equipment, but with the process, the right sequence, the strategies, and everything else uh, after the sale as well. Well, you guys are a class act. I'm always impressed when I walk by the booth. I'm glad I got a chance to stop by and talk to you. Dean Siegel, VP of Sales and Marketing for Pope Scientific. Thanks for coming on The Modern Extractor. Well, thanks, Jason. It's been good talking to you. Hey, this is Jason with The Modern Extractor coming at you from MJ BizCon on the floor in the MJ BizCon lounge here with Dirty Harry. Dirty Harry, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Tell me a little bit about yourself and your story. I know you've had quite an impact on the uh, on the concentrate scene. Oh, well, thank you very much. I don't know if I'd uh, give myself that much credit, but uh, I started a little bit early on, um, kind of in, a, in the same area that a lot of people that people know um, started, which is some of the kind of earlier forums. Grey Wolf and things of that nature all started open blasting, trying to turn, uh, you know, what was originally being discarded as, you know, trash and garbage trim 
Um, and we were burning it at the time, literally just big barrels of it, just to discard it or burying it or, like or composting it. Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> the whole hillside smelled pretty excellent. Um, but yeah, just kind of in, in a search to uh, change something that was uh, worth nothing into something a little bit more. And uh, at that time, you know, you could get upwards of like seven to eight thousand dollars a pound. Matters where you took it. Uh, for the sake of uh, legalities, I'll just say <laughs> the Far East. <laughs> yes, <laughs> in that area. Um, I, I just got my, I got my start open blasting like a lot of people did. I was curious about how it could be a little bit more efficient. Uh, I started going online. I was reading a bunch of forums. Um, and then I ended up getting on one of the earlier systems that Bogart had. Uh, I worked in uh, Northern California for a long time. Ended up um, becoming friends with uh, Boris Kogan, the owner of Busy Bee. Uh, started working with a bunch of different stuff there. Just kind of trying to push the envelope as far as how to be efficient. You know, uh, how to produce different types of products. Were you one of the uh, one of the original bee stranglers that was wrestling the uh, wrestling the tanks I, and the ice? I think I had system number sixteen. Uh, my friend Connor, who's a good friend of mine now, he had system number one. Uh, but yeah, so I was kind of earlier in that area. I don't know what number they're on now, but it's in the hundreds. So I'm, I'm happy for them. They've done really well. All right, good stuff. Yeah, he's uh, Boris has been on the show and uh, told me all kinds of fun stories as well as all of his fun verbiage that he likes to use. Yes. Interspectangular dangling and things of that nature. Yeah, he's a, he's an excited guy. He's a fun dude. He's definitely a, a cool guy to be on panels with. I'm actually uh, we did a panel in Colombia together. Really? Yeah, and it was being translated to Spanish and everybody through little ear sets. Oh my god! And pretty much him and I both shit on CO2 pretty heavily because um, well, it's like snake oil. So um, apparently there was a lady in the crowd that was really pro CO2, and she came down and started yelling at us in Spanish. And like, I speak Spanish, but I don't speak angry lady yelling at you Spanish. <laughs> yeah, that's a and, little faster. And Boris doesn't speak any. So we were all very confused. So we had microphones put into our ears and we still couldn't understand shit. But at the end of it, we just, all we heard was like, and she was pissed. But it was a good time. That was a good time. What yeah, a so I, I, I moved from that area to start working in the legal industry. You know, when when um, legal in California, worked in Adelanto and at a couple labs and stuff like that, including T001, which is one of the very first one. Oh, the first one. Uh, I wasn't there it's, uh, when it first came up, but I worked on it afterwards in order to kind of home it in. Um, you know, uh, doing a lot of you know large scale ethanol, really pushing how much we can produce daily. Um, Ran some of the earlier falling films, helped develop a lot of stuff with that. What kind of machines were you working with when you were doing large scale ethanol? At that time, there wasn't too much like centrifugal technology that was being used. So it was just pretty much large scale dunk tech and then being put in centrifuges afterwards. Um, you know, we weren't flooding centrifuge, like, you know, jacketed centrifuges. We were just getting large jacketed tanks, having a, like, a you know, crane and boom just to put down about, you know, 125 pounds at a time, just pulling it back up, putting it on a uh, conveyor belt and having that getting dropped into a centrifuge and then just moving along. But you can extract quite a bit that way. Yeah. We were doing, you know, we could up to 5,000 pounds a day. Now, were you, uh, with that method, were you leaving it in for very long? What kind of temperatures were you working yeah, with? So what was going on? Ethanol is really good at making sure it's selective at different temperatures, right? So I find that the lowest that you can go is negative 35C. 
uh, if you don't want to take any fats. Um, if you start really going lower than, um, excuse me, like the highest you can go is, is 35C. Um, if you start getting any colder than about you know 45 degrees Celsius, you're really doing yourself a disservice because its solubility starts to change. You, you, you can't hold as much in it. You can't use it as much over and over. Um, you're just you're you're honestly going to have to leave it there for longer. So really, there's kind of a sweet spot with ethanol, and I find that between 45 and 35, negative 45 and 35 degrees centigrade. Yep, that is exactly what we would shoot for uh, when I was running my lab. We would chill it down to minus 45, minus 42-ish, and then by the time the run finished, it was right, right, right there around 35. Right, exactly. So, yeah, yeah, that's kind of the the window. But then you know, there's always the guy that takes off and goes to lunch and comes back with like minus 60 or you yeah. know whatever it is. There you go, whatever. That little yeah. sit up. It'll still minute. work. It'll still work. It'll still work. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. No, it was it was, it was cool too because it was kind of at the infancy of using large scale ethanol and figuring out that it was so much better than the crude that we had been using before with like butane and things of that nature. So really allowed to push way higher percentages as far as distillate goes. Just, uh, that was cool. We were, at that time we were sending out tests to Canalysis and we were hitting 99.9, 99.9, 99.9, but that's really just because their standard was not as good as it is now. So. Yeah. So you were sending it through all the way to distillation? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. What, what were you working with gear-wise? Um, we had, at that time, two VTAs and two CTSs. Um, but I've run a, a, a lot of different types of wipe films. Um, I used to kind of run a side business where I'd re rebuild popes and things of that nature. In fact, when Pope first started selling to the cannabis industry, they wouldn't come and give you a consultation because they sell to other industry and they were too scared, you know, to be able to like go out and do consultations. So if you purchased a Pope from Pope, they would send me out to go do the consultation. Oh, great. Yeah, which worked for me. <laughs> yeah, and then now you know everybody. Yeah, and then I'd throw kickbacks. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Sorry, Chris. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best part about these floor interviews is that uh, people are just willing to, to say it. And they're like, oh, can you edit that out? And then by the end, they're like, ah, never mind, don't edit that out. Ah, fuck. <laughs> uh, so what are you doing these days? Uh, so I work a lot on the conversion side of things. Uh, I have a patent company, which has always just kind of been like a side, not a side project, but you know, it's, it's operated in the most integrity that you can for putting distillate in cartridges. And so because of that, it's been actually pretty successful. So California right. Gold, it's been my company for a long time. I have a great, with a great partner, Darren, and uh, that's just trucking along. But um, I built a lot with like large scale butane as well. Okay. Um, we're just going large scale CRC for a long time and okay. doing stuff like that. And then, you know, the kind of market tends to, you know, fall by the wayside and those things kind of get overblown and everybody kind of comes and starts doing it. It just didn't really make sense to, you know, run such a high risk for the amount of reward that comes from. Absolutely. Yeah, I understand. And then you've got everybody that's just going bigger, 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 bigger until it gets out of control. And now I've kind of seen a lot of the systems this year at BizCon step their game back down a little bit and have more control over a more medium scale system instead of just enormous stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, going really large is a way that you can, you know, compete, you know, because as far as like shaving down on efficiencies and stuff like that, like that's always been kind of like my mantra and I've always like truly believed in. But I will say this, when things go wrong on a large scale, it is something that is can be incredibly detrimental to your mental health, your physical health, your wallet. Financial health, yeah, <laughs> yeah for Your sure. wallet and things of that nature. So, you know, sometimes, you know, anytime somebody comes to me for a consultation or anything like that to build something out, I always recommend that they grow organically. 
You know, people will come to a booth that you're selling equipment at, and they'll be like, oh, I want to run, you know, uh, 5,000 pounds a day. Well, okay, you know, um, what's your desired product? How many employees do you have? How many hours are you going to run a day? How much power, you know, like, there's a bunch of different things that you need to know before you just have that, that end goal. Yeah. Also, too, you know, you're going to throw, I would say probably on average, and this is going to sound really, you know, negative, but I would think it to be accurate, I would say about 95% of cannabis industries fail. Yeah, yeah, a lot, a huge amount. A huge amount. So to put in for a system that's gonna run 5,000 pounds a day is gonna be millions of dollars. And, um, you know, for you to invest that much with a 95% failure rate, especially when you don't even know how much power you have, that's kind of, uh, you know, that's a red flag. Yeah, prove your concept first. Yeah, right, prove if you're, if you're successful, market. it's very easy to scale up. Yeah, there's a million people wanting to help you. Right, right. But there are people in like Michigan, they're like, I want to run 5,000 pounds a day. Do you even have 5,000 pounds in Michigan? I'm sure they do. But yeah. I just, I don't know. So uh, do you, are you still doing a lot of consulting? I do. I do a lot of consulting, yeah. If, um, let's say somebody wanted to get a hold of you to uh, utilize all of the, the skills that you got. What's the best way to do it? On uh, Dirty Harry's Instagram. D-U-R-T-Y-H-A-R-R-I-E. Spelled a little strange, but phonetically, it makes sense. All right, all right. So reach out to you there, uh, and then you can just go from there chatting about what it costs, how you do it, all the good stuff. Yes, sir. I also answer a lot of questions for free. I give free consultations over the phone if it has anything to do with safety. Um, so Respectable. Yeah, of course. Just want to make sure everybody's all right, you know, especially in light of what's been going on recently. You know, it's some tragedy. Especially the, con the conversion scene recently has definitely stepped its... Uh, it's danger scale up significantly. That's uh, that's something that we're gonna have to figure out how to get a handle on as an industry. Otherwise, we're just gonna get more and more and more regulations. Yeah, and you know, also too, I mean, I think that it is quite possible that you could see a complete ban of a lot of these, you know, like, I mean, what if butane wasn't allowed? I mean, you keep having clandestine labs that are blowing up and issues like this, they're gonna be much more stringent. I could see it going all the way to just outright not being allowed to do it. This is true. That's uh, hopefully we can all get our shit together so that uh, yeah. so so that we don't have to get it got together for us. Right. Okay. <laughs> right on. Well, Dirty Harry, thanks for coming on the Modern Extractor. Thanks. Appreciate your time. All right. Thanks again to Hayden, David, Dean, and Dirty Harry for making time to talk to me. As always, if you want to hear about something specific on the show, let me know. Email me, Jason at modernextractor.com. Make sure to follow the show on Instagram at the underscore modern underscore extractor. If you guys are digging what I'm doing here, please take a few minutes to show me some love and write a review on Apple or Google podcasts. The more reviews the show has, the wider audience it will reach, and the better guests I can keep booking for you here in the future. Stay tuned for one more bonus episode coming up soon with other content that I captured in the field this year. A big thanks to Isada Venegas for handling business on the show's social media, and a shout out to the New Fools for bringing the funk to the Mod X theme song. Thanks again to everybody for tuning into the Modern Extractor. Happy New Year. I'm Jason Showered. Let's talk soon. <laughs>